I remember me. Well, February turned into an unintentional, then intentional break for the podcast. I started out the month of February with allergies that left me drained. Then we had two winter storms that brought Texas, where I live, to a halt. Literally, people, Texas froze. And as we Texans learned, we are apparently not equipped for that type of weather. So after all of that, I just had to take a break because mentally I needed a break. But I'm here now and happy to bring you today's episode with Eliseo Lara. Eliseo is a baker located in Mexico City who usually holds baking classes through Airbnb experiences, but who, like many folks, has had to move his operation online. He's a wonderful teacher, and taking part in one of his classes is something I highly recommend. I've never had the chance to take an in-person class with him, so getting to speak with him was a real treat for me. So let's just jump back into the podcast, and I'm happy to share with you today's delightful guest, Eliseo Lara. Por la hora que me, que me vas a dar. Claro, sí, sí, sí claro que sí. sí. Feliz de la vida. Awesome. Okay. Eliseo, thank you, thank you, thank you for speaking with me. Um, I have loved watching your classes online since I can't travel. I feel like I can travel to Mexico City, which is really one of my favorite places to go to in Mexico. Um, and it's been so fun to learn from you and then to get to see all of the different people from not just Mexico, but the States. I don't know if that's something that you've enjoyed and if it's expanded your classes in that way. Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me. And um, yes, actually, I've been really happy with that because um, when the pandemic hit, I uh, just stopped my in-person classes. And then I was like, okay, it makes sense to just do them online. And the first weekend I was like, oh yeah, I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna launch a Conchas class and then see where it goes from there. And it was awesome and I quite enjoyed it. And then um, one of the things that I've loved about this is that um, I get to have like a bigger community because um, before it was just travelers and just travelers that were coming to Mexico City. And I was doing a classes uh, through Airbnb experiences. And then also it was like conchas class every single time. <laughs> I just got to make conchas. And now with my um, online classes, I get to have like, a bigger community. And now it's like a big group that um, a lot of them are, um, um, how do you say this? Like they are in a lot of my classes. So they're like constantly in my classes and then I can do like different things. And then I can do like more like advanced stuff. And then uh, also I go back always to, of course, conchas and the basics because it's delicious and oh, I enjoy those. I enjoy making them <laughs> so much. And then uh, that also opens, uh, you know, the group for new for new students. And yeah, I've been enjoying this a lot. I wasn't like really sure how it was going to work, but I've, I'm really happy I, I started with it. Yeah, no, I am too. So. I heard about your classes through Airbnb, and I don't remember if it was the first time or the second time that I traveled to Mexico City. And the concha, or sometimes it's known as pan de huevo, right, in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Have you? Yeah, right. Um, so the concha is, I think, my favorite pan dulce. It just it reminds me of when I was small, and we would go to the to the bakeries, to the panaderias, and mm-hmm. you would walk in. And it's like a, a jewel to me, it was like a little jewelry store because then you got your little tray <laughs> and, you know, your uh, your the tongs, the pinzas, and you could pick whatever you wanted. But I always went for the concha. And I know a lot of people complain that they're dry and they're not good. But I don't know. To me, they were always just so pretty, cause, probably because they're colorful into a kid, just like color. Um, <laughs> so I'd always wanted to learn how to make them. And I had found some recipes online just to try on my own. And then when I found your class, I was like, conchas yes I'm gonna get to make them (laughs) and then it didn't happen for whatever reason while we were in Mexico City and then yeah the pandemic hit and you put your classes online and I was like finally I get to do it even though I'm not in Mexico City but it kind of 
made me feel like I was traveling into your home a little bit. Although I, I want to see your home one day because it looks so cool. <laughs> I don't your kitchen looks so colorful. Um, and yeah, I've enjoyed the classes so much. And like you said, the Concha class felt really simple and really basic. And I, I've started taking more and more of your classes. And the last one that I took was the Orejas. And I had never done a laminated dough. And the fact that it worked, I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. So yeah, I, I'm so glad that I've been able to, I guess, learn from you even in spite of, you know, the separation and, and the inability to travel and all of that. So I'm so grateful that you decided to move online. And like everybody else is just kind of, okay, how do we keep moving forward in yeah. spite of all of this? And it's like, okay. It, it was difficult because, you know, like, um, None of us knew what was happening. Like, it was just like, I, I paralyzed for like a month and a half. I was just like at home, like, you know, like watching the walls and like, <laughs> now what? <laughs> but then, yeah, then I started to do them online. And yes, I agree with you. I think conchas is very probably my favorite bread and my favorite pan dulce, but, but also like my different bread, you know, like from the, all the world breads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's so good. Like it has such a wonderful contrast of textures. Um, I don't know who thought of putting like a cookie layer on top of a bun, but that was a wonderful idea. That was just like genius. And um, it's very funny because um, there are very similar breads in different parts of the world. I think this kind of like a, this, this strusel on top comes uh -huh. a little from Europe, but also like, and it kind of makes sense because uh, the uh, Europeans brought wheat to the Americas, right? So we didn't have wheat. Um, and we just did our, our own thing with um, with bread. But also there is a very similar bread in Japan. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like the same. If you look at it, it it's like, oh, wow, there's a concha, you know, like in oh. Tokyo. And it's like, what is this happening? They call it melon pan. Uh, because uh, they do like a crisscross design on top and it does look like a melon. Uh -huh. um, and it comes in different flavors and different colors as well. So it's it's very interesting like how this happened. I tried to do a lot of research about conchas. I haven't found a lot of information. Um, um, you know, like most people agree that there were the, like these local bakers uh, during the colonial times that uh, learned the trade um, to be a baker then just starting experimenting with it but it's great like how it evolved right because um what the spaniards brought to mexico it's completely different to what we have now yeah and um, i read somewhere i don't remember where but i read somewhere that um france of course has the biggest variety of breads mm -hmm. but then right after france comes mexico and I, I totally believe that because there's so many different varieties. As you were saying, like even concha, that is like maybe the one bread that you find all the way from Tijuana to Cancun. Um, it has different names and uh, like the recipe is completely different from one region to another. So yeah, it's like a, a lot of different things and then many different varieties. And then it also makes it tricky to, you know, like, because um, I have some students that are like, Oh, I, I, you know, like I've been meaning to, I've been wanting to find this bread that, you know, like my grandma made or that, you know, like my grandparents brought to the house from this town in, I don't know, Sinaloa. Yeah. And it's like, it's like such a big variety. It's, it's impossible to keep up with it. Like, I would love to just like travel around for a while and, you know, like just eat all the bread. Yeah. If you <laughs> do invite me. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would too. I the more I dig in to baking and Mexican sweet bread, like you're, like you're saying, is just the more variation I find from region to region and then just things that I've never heard of. Um, so I, yeah, I'm not surprised that we come behind France as far as variety goes. That's really cool. As you were talking about the concha, I was reminded of the French, I think, is it called a, a choquette? It's the pas de choux that has like a little crust on top too. It's like a mini concha, of course. The parachute yeah. is airier, but that's what I thought of when you said that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's like quite similar. It's actually, if you see the recipe for that topping for parachute, it's exactly the same thing that we put on top of conchas. Oh, cool! It's just like a minimal variety. Yeah, in Mexico we adapted it, and then we sometimes, usually, um, bakers use vegetable shortening mm -hmm. for the fat on the topping. 
Um, that's not my preference. My preference is usually butter. And there's like a really big, you know, like um, discussion among Mexican bakers, whether you should use this or you should use that, especially around conchas. And if you get into those, like, you know, like uh, Mexican bakers, Facebook groups, uh-huh. like, <laughs> it gets bad. It gets really bad. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, but um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's also like a, it gives you a lot of room for experimentation and I think this is something that is happening now, like all of this experimentation with pan dulce. Yeah. And I love that this is happening now. Yeah. And that's definitely, I, that's something I definitely want to wanna hear about, like what's happening in Mexico. But I kind of, let's, I wanted to start at the beginning and hear kind of where you started and kind of where you, where you are now, as far as your baking goes. Um, but tell me, what is the food background of your childhood? It's kind of interesting because um, when I was a kid, my parents had a shoe store in the northern part of Mexico City. It's called uh, Tacuba, the neighborhood. So we were most of the time at the shoe store. So I don't have like a lot of, uh, you know, like memories of like a home cooked meal, even though my mom makes the best at like enchiladas verdes, like <laughs> the best of the world. But we didn't get a lot of that because we were a lot in the store. Um, on the other hand, what is great about that is that we were eating at the market all of the time. And then at the time, I, I think I didn't give it like the right value to that because it was given. So it was like, ah, here we go again, you know. But as I grew up and I, as I started traveling, I was like, whoa, we have like such an amazing variety. And, you know, like... Um, the markets in Mexico are just so vibrant and so many different ingredients. You cannot find anything that is bland. Everything is like spicy and powerful and intense colors and intense flavors. So I, I come from like that, uh-huh. that I couldn't value up until later. Now, um, when I was a kid, I was always kind of interested in, in baking a little bit. So I, my mom was not a baker, definitely, but mm-hmm. she like encouraged this and she was like, okay, so then let's get, you know, like the mix to make the cake from the supermarket and let's try that. And we would do that. And we had like all kinds of accidents, you know, because there's a lot of things that are not said in this recipe, like how to prepare the pan yep. or how to know your oven is at the right temperature or that you shouldn't put the icing on top once the cake has cooled down, <laughs> otherwise it would just melt. <laughs> and all of these things happened to us. Yeah. And and it was great because then, um, you know, like I I started we started experimenting a lot my my mom and I in the kitchen with the with the cakes and everything. And then I would you know like occasionally serve a cake when when some family came to the house for a visit or stuff like that. But then I didn't actually consider this as a career when I went to college. I think first because, you know, like being a baker was not like a thing, you know, yeah. like when, when I, like 20 years ago, this was not a thing. Right. Um, like this big interest in food and all, all that came with that, all the, you know, like the food shows and everything was like kind of later than that. And um, also like cooking schools were rare. Mm-hmm. There were not a lot of them. Um, so first I went to um, literature. I, I majored in literature in college. Uh, but when while I was in college, I found, um, I went to college in Universidad del Claustro de Sor Juana. Oh. Which is, um, the building is uh, the church where she was encloistered when okay. she was a nun in um, Centro Historico in downtown Mexico City. So the building is beautiful. It's just like amazing to be able to go to um, college in in Centro Historico in Mexico City. I can imagine. Yeah, Yeah. it's also like, I think the only college that has, you know, like you cannot find any stationary stores around, but there's like a thousand cantinas. (laughs) It was so cool. (laughs) Seems perfect for college. Exactly. (laughs) um, But while I was in college, I found this uh, very small uh, bread baking school. It it was like a part of the 
government sponsored by the government or something like that. And it was like a very small school. It's supposed to be for people who want to employ themselves. So it was like a six month course or something like that, like a quick intro to baking. So you could you know, like make your own or put look at like a small bakery or something like that. So I went there and I took that course just because it was like really close to me and I had the time. It wasn't Saturdays mornings. So it was like, okay, this sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, I found it. You know, like, <laughs> And you were still in school. It, you were still going to university for literature while you were taking these classes? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. I was very close to finished my my college so I was like okay so I, I'll just finish because it's like two more <laughs> semesters and that's it but as soon as I finished you know like gave my mom my degree like here it is there you go <laughs> and then I went to pastry school and um I've been I've been baking ever since and pastry school was really cool like it was just like a, a year and a half of just baking and eating like <laughs> butter flour yeah. and sugar and it was amazing that's so, so cool um, and, I, and I took it from there yeah mm-hmm. so um what you well first of all I just realized so Sor Juana is a very famous Mexican poet yes mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so how perfect that you went to literature or you went you studied literature at sort of, you know this university right. that's very po- poetic haha um, <laughs> <laughs> um but so then i was wondering okay so you went to pastry school i'm assuming they taught the very traditional like french technique of of baking and all of that did mm-hmm. they incorporate any mexican techniques i don't I, i don't know i mean is there are there mexican techniques to baking or is it just there is mexican bread and you use french techniques How did, yeah, what did you learn? So you were- the, this, I think this is because of the school that I attended. Um, so this school, um, the um, owner and the, and the principal of the school is this um, chef um, that she is the one who brought all the French techniques to Mexico back in like the 80s, 90s, something like that. So she's quite famous around here. And it's like, I think it's maybe one of the best schools for pastry in Mexico. I, I got really lucky because it was like really close to, yeah. to me. And what's the name and, of the school? Um, I'm sorry. She's called Maricu. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah. And, um, and that's the name of the school as well. And um, yeah, so this, this was really cool. But it was actually more focused on um, European baking. You know, like we got all of the um, parachute, mm-hmm. laminated doughs, everything. And then we got like a little bit of Mexican baking, especially breads. And, you know, we have to see that you have to have tres leches. Yeah. Because, you know, when you when you are graduate from pastry school, every order is going to be for tres leches cake. <laughs> so you have to be ready for that. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, but actually I didn't... As, I didn't see a lot of that while I was in pastry school, but I got all the all the basics covered. And then from there, um, I did work for a while in a very small bakery. And I think where, where I learned more about Mexican breads. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, like with this cliche old guy who is yelling at you all the time <laughs> and is really impatient. Um, but eventually he rose to, you know, like, care about you yeah, yeah. trust you with some of his recipes <laughs> and um and that was that was amazing that was that was amazing and then as, as you said I also enjoyed traveling a lot so I started you know like did a lot of research I whenever I whenever I went you know like to a very small town or whatever I would just like oh there's a bakery let's let's go there <laughs> and um you you Mexico is amazing that yeah. way because you find like all kinds of things. I remember this time I was in um, Michoacán uh-huh. and I was just driving very close to Tlalpujagua. Tlalpujagua is a little town in the mountains that um, I think their their thing is that they make uh, Christmas ornaments for the tree. And that's all the entire town does. It's wow. beautiful. They make the, like the most beautiful decorations. And I was driving like in the mountain and then I found this, uh, you know, like it was not even like a house. It was like a hut and there was a woman making bread. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I was like, I have to pull over, I have to pull over now, you know, like immediately. <laughs> and then I went there and I started talking to her, and she was making like a very regional variety of um pan de yema, uh-huh. but it was like quite different from Oaxaca. It was like a very different thing. And I I love visiting these places because you know, when I went to pastry school. And even when I went before to the small uh, bread baking school, uh, like the basic is you should have your kitchen scale, you should have your recipe and follow it and technique and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing, especially. And that's what I usually recommend in my classes. But usually these bakers are like, um, I was like, um, I was talking to her and we were discussing about her bread. And I asked her, like, how many grams is each one of these? Because they were, like, really big. It was, like, a big celebration bread, uh-huh. right? Like, it would last for, like, a couple of days for an entire family. It was oh, big. Wow. And um, and I was, like, how many grams is this? And she was, and she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you <know? laughs> She's, like, a handful? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, like, and then I learned, like, uh, she was making a, a new dough. And she was just, like, eyeballing everything. And if you saw all of those breads, uh-huh. all were exactly the same size. That's awesome. I was like, of course, she's been doing that for years. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, what she does. But I was like, well, I would, I couldn't live without my scale. Like, how do you do this? <laughs> we're so dependent on our tools. But yeah, I mean, her yeah. tools are her hands, her eyes, her nose. She's baking with the tools that she has, and from instinct at that point, right? exactly yeah. yeah she just takes like a bag of the flour like it comes from the store and then she adds different things i remember her using pulque uh-huh. for this one she, so she was like yeah this bag and then this amount of pulque give or take and then this and then that and then and i was like whoa that's <laughs> a beautiful whoa. <laughs> now pulque for people who don't know what it is can you explain that yes um so it's a it's a Mexican drink. Uh-huh. It's like a, one of the previous steps of um, well, you, when you're making tequila, let's say you stop at some part of the process and then you have pulque. Okay. I actually like don't like to drink it, but uh, like most of my friends love it. So it's alcoholic. It's alcoholic. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't like the texture. It's like viscous and I. I <laughs> Uh, I can't. <laughs> I like one of my worst memories from college involves pulque. Oh and, yeah, and Teotihuacan, and no, not a good idea. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. Bad memories, bad association with pulque. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of college students here, at least in Texas, have bad associations with tequila in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So too but, much pulque. Pulque for me. Yeah. But, um, it makes delicious bread. Like okay. in bread, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And you can use it instead of other, um, um, instead of the milk or instead of the water in your recipe. And you might also want to ease on the um, yeast because um, this is already fermented. Okay. So it will give you a little bit of that yeast and bacteria that you need to grow to have a nice dough. Yeah. It's, it's real, it just gives the bread a wonderful aroma. All around. I'm sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what do you think from such a young age drew you to baking? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. There was just like, something about it. Yeah. Like I just like the process now. Like with the years, I've I've thought about this for a while. Like, like, why do I like baking? Uh-huh. And I think like what I love about baking now, I don't know at the time, but what I love about it now is that um and, and I kind of stole this from like, this movie, the Julia and Julia uh-huh. movie. I know it's a book. There's a book about that. But like one great thing about cooking or baking or whatever is that doesn't matter how crazy the world gets. Yeah. You know, like when you go back to your home and you have like this amount of flour and this amount of yeast and this amount of blah, blah, blah. Then you will get to make a beautiful things with your own hands. Yeah. And I think that's especially what I like about baking as opposed to cooking, because it's very like, like you're creating it, you're shaping it, you're making it with your hands. And I like that, that kind of like handmade um, quality to it. I think that's what attracts me the most. Cause, and especially now, you know, like you can be in, on the computer for like 10 hours and yeah. then 
Did you have nothing on your hands at the end of the day? And <laughs> no. Like, oh, let's just have dinner and go to bed. <laughs> yeah, that's and very depressing. Be, yeah. And then I can be in the kitchen for the entire day. And at night I'm exhausted. But, I, you know, I, have, I think I made this. Yeah, you have and something to show for it. And it's delicious. Uh, I get to share it with my loved ones. So I think that's like, you cannot beat that. It's just no. the best. Yeah, yeah. So did you work in, in a bakery setting for, for a while? Or how long did you work? Yeah, it was for a while. I think it was maybe for like a year, a year and a half or so. Then I wasn't quite happy with the hours because, you know, to be a baker, you have to wake up like at 4, 3 a.m. And, um, you know, like I had no social life. Not that I have a lot of social life later. But, <laughs> you know, like if I wanted to have uh, dinner with my friends, I couldn't because I had to go to bed at 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. Um, so, um, and it's also like exhausting. So, uh, yeah, it I'm really not, is. like a really morning person. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, okay, this is not for me. And then I started taking orders for celebration cakes. Oh, fun. Which was fun for a while. Um, I was doing like all kinds of things uh, for like uh, weddings and quinceañeras and that kind of thing. And that was fun. And yes, you always get the tres leches order. <laughs> like, and, and usually right here in Mexico, uh, well, at least the ones that I got, uh -huh. were like, I want a cake that is, you know, like for 300 guests and like super tall and and of course it has to be tres leches claro. <laughs> like, that's not possible like that could not happen it literally cannot handle the weight yeah exactly and, and covered in fondant right of course and why not <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah but i got a few um i think most of the orders that i took it was because i was like really um, excited about the project and usually i got really lucky because i got a lot of uh, creative freedom I do not love um, fondant and all of that and I like to you know like because usually when you get a, a, a fondant cake you just get rid of the fondant and put it aside on the plate and then eat the cake yeah which is usually good if if, if you get a good baker but I want everything on my plate to be edible right right so I did use a lot of you know like buttercream and fruit and nuts and do like crazy like crunchy texture on my cakes with with what is inside of my cake because you want to show that right yeah, like why yeah. do you cover it with this white weird thing with yeah a lot of extra sugar so there's much. already sugar in there uh -huh. yeah yeah and, um, and I did that for a while and then I that's when I started teaching my classes I wasn't doing any classes at the time but then I think I saw an ad on a website uh -huh. uh, that Airbnb was starting the experiences, the um, experiences program in Mexico City. Um, so they do offer, besides lodging, they do offer these experiences that the idea is that you get to visit a local and get to do something with them or go to their favorite food spots or, you know, like a hike or like all kinds of different things. And I was like, oh, oh, this sounds cool. Like, why not? Sounds, sounds great. And um, I already spoke English. That was like kind of like a requisite for this. So I was like, okay, sounds, sounds good. Why not? <laughs> exactly. So I, um, I had to, you know, like write a proposal and everything. And then I forgot about it because it took them months to get back to me. And then like six months later, they, they reached out and they were like, oh, we, we like this experience. We want to do it. And um, then they sent like a photographer and someone to take a video. And it was like in two weeks, I was already hosting. Oh my goodness. Uh, I was like, whoa, that was quick. That's awesome. Uh -huh. So what year, what year was that, that this started? Uh, I'm not sure, but it was like, this was like five or six years ago. Something okay. like that. And I got really lucky because at the beginning, like that summer, there were only like I think like less than 30 experiences in the entire city. So like that group of experiences, we got like a lot of reviews and um, we had a lot of guests like in that summer. And I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Uh -huh. It was it was great because then it was um, like I love traveling as well. So 
it was a little like traveling, like what you were saying mm -hmm. earlier, because I had travelers with me and, uh, you know, like, like like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And I think also I got really lucky with my guests because um, I think you kind of like attract your kind of people, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if, if someone comes to Mexico from a different country, then you already have like, like th there's a filter right there. Right. And then if they come to Mexico City, there's another filter right there. And then if they want to, they, they are interested in baking, then there you go. And right. then if they want to make conchas and it's like, <laughs> yeah, like I got a lot of very like-minded like uh, people in my house and uh, it was great. I, I got a lot of friends and now I have friends all over the USA because of that, of that program. I'm very grateful with it. And I'm still in touch with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like a, it was really, really, really cool. It was a, it was an awesome experience. I also yeah. was doing, I got really busy. Like I also was doing a lot of, you know, like um, bread for mm -hmm. um, some um, restaurants, especially hamburger buns and that kind of stuff. Okay. Like, mini pan dulce for breakfast for mm -hmm. some restaurants, that kind of thing. And then I had to stop doing that because I didn't have the time. Because like, you were so that. busy with your classes? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I had to, yeah, because I was like, mm, should I like bake by myself at 7 a.m.? <laughs> and then, you know, like deal with all that. Yeah. Or, you know, like have travelers come and visit me in my house. Yeah. And then I get to also hear their stories. So cool. And it was, it was a no brainer. I was like, right. Okay, this got it. <laughs> So are you naturally an extroverted person or no, no. <gasps> that's no. so fascinating because no, no, <laughs> I am I'm not extroverted kidding. either. <laughs> no. And I, I don't like things that are not um, like the things that I'm not familiar with. I kind of struggle. Like if yeah. you see me like, like in a meeting, I'm, I'm the one in the back, you know, like having a drink and <laughs> wishing I could just leave. That would be me. <laughs> Uh, wow I'm do you think not... it's because it's more it's not one-on-one -on -one, but I mean how big do your what's the biggest class that you would hold in a normal non-pandemic year like how many people <laughs> would you host at a time I, I usually host um not more than six uh, okay. students yeah uh, also my kitchen is not too big right. so it's kind of like a small yeah. group um I've had bigger groups I've, I've done it before but I I tell them in advance like the kitchen is not too big. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I would be really happy to host you. Um, I had a family from uh, San Diego that I'm still in touch with them. They're amazing. They also do my um, my online classes. And yeah, but usually not more than six guests because mm. right? that's a lot in my in my yeah. kitchen. Yeah. And I think yeah, that also helps me. And also the fact that it's you know like my kitchen and my I'm familiar with yes. everything. <laughs> it's your space. Yeah. You're not yeah. leaving your house. <laughs> my OCD is not triggered everything is good yep yep yeah. I know because I've thought about that I'm like oh like do you have to be an extroverted person but I guess if it's small and yeah you're in a safe space <laughs> then it's exactly. it's easier to do plus you set the hours and you decide when you want to do it so yeah that, mm. that actually seems to work for an introvert then <laughs> that's so funny yeah. that's so cool so then You've been doing the classes for several years now. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. And then I did a little research and it seems like, especially this past year, you've been doing more classes like outside of your own private lessons. Like with, there was a group in Los Angeles who you did a class with. Is that right? I know you're doing a class with um, a blogger here coming soon around hibiscus. And so it seems like your reach is growing, which I think is really cool because I love the way you teach. It's very approachable. It's not pretentious, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it feels like, yeah, like you're just going into someone's home and you're about to sit down to have a meal with them, but you happen to be helping them prepare that meal. Mm -hmm. So even as somebody who's new to baking, which I'm not, but still, if I were, I think I would feel comfortable taking the classes. And I don't know, you make people feel welcome. And I've been in your classes and I know people ask questions a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I think you're also very patient, which I don't know if that's something I would be able to do. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm not a patient person. So yeah, I think 
you have a really lovely way of teaching folks. Plus, you can tell that what you're teaching is something that you enjoy. You're doing it because you love it. So I can see why your reach oh, is growing. You. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like I honestly quite enjoy my um, my classes. I also find that um, like I try to picture myself when I'm learning something that I, I don't want to feel uncomfortable when asking something, you know, and, yeah. and we don't have to be experts at anything, you know, and that's something that I've experienced in some classes that I've taken in the past. Then it's like, and then you ask something and everyone is like, oh my God, why are we losing time? <laughs> and it's like, no, we come from very different backgrounds and we come from very different places. And, yeah. and it's it, like, it's not mandatory that we should all be, you know, like we should be sharing knowledge. Exactly. And we should be doing that all the time because it's healthy and it's beautiful. And yeah. Great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that I, even though I haven't actually been able to take a person in-person class with you like one of the things that drew me to that is or and what always draws me to cooking classes when I'm traveling is the fact that I'll be interacting with other people from they may be from the states but maybe from you know somewhere different or they're just from somewhere you know different in the world and so you just feel like like you said like an instant connection because they've filtered themselves in a way like clearly they love food they like to travel and so there's an instant connection that way but what i've loved about your classes online so for example like this last one that i took the orejas class you know i was you're doing it on zoom now i know you started on on instagram but with zoom you can see the other people in the class which some people may not like <laughs> um, <laughs> but what i've enjoyed is just seeing everybody come from different you know places in the U.S. and of course from Mexico and then I think this past class there was like maybe um, a, a young man working with his aunt so there's just this I don't know it's there's this really lovely community that I've seen kind of come out of your classes and that's been really cool and some people just speak Spanish and some people just speak English but everybody's mm -hmm. welcome and you don't feel left out which I think is really important so mm -hmm. you've done a great job in that way. Oh, thank you. Yes, I actually feel like um, because of course most of my guests are Mexican American, mm -hmm. so and a lot of them have um actually told me that they are uh, looking to these kind of classes, to you know like you know like do a little uh, research about their culture and you know like connect with their culture through food, and honestly, I'm honored to you know like thank you for choosing my class for that because <laughs> it's such an important thing. Yeah. And, identity is, is is such an important thing because that's how you see the world that's the thing through which you see the world yeah. so I'm actually just honored that that they choose my classes to do so and, and I think it's really great and I should give that the, the right the right place yeah right and actually it's, it's really cool because um uh, yeah, of course, it's totally optional to them if they want to turn on their cameras, but right. I completely appreciate that because then, you know, like I get to see them, I get to see also what they're baking and if they have a question like, hey, how does this look? Like, is it as going as it is supposed to? And that's also really, really cool. I think that's like the contrast with before when I was doing my in-person classes that everyone just came and left and came mm -hmm. and left. And of course, now I have friends all over, but you know, like now feels more like a community. Mm -hmm. Before it was just like me meeting friends like that are living different places. Yeah, yeah, they're just coming to visit. <laughs> yeah. And now it does feel like a community and a group. And of course, then I can host like different different levels mm -hmm. and, and you know, like Orejas is more yeah. like an advanced thing because we're making a laminated dough and it's not like a, like you can wake up any given day and then you're like, oh, well, today I'm going to make it. You know, like it takes like a technique and practice yeah. and you need to have the time and the, um, and, and you know, like the mental space for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it, I think it's, it's really cool that, that this, this group is growing and I can see how they like, cause I get really excited when they send me their pictures of their mm -hmm. final products. Also for me, it's just like so cool that, you know, like I developed this recipe uh, with a lot of care and a lot of love and then you send me the, the picture of the same recipe that you replicated in your city with your ingredients you know like you took the time to go to the store to get them and 
just replicate my recipe that you like it's just like whoa it's yeah. just awesome it's just like beautiful process i yeah i do think that's really neat and just to see the different variations of it i think is really cool so you said something about identity that i've actually i was curious about because i have started to see and I don't know if it's because of social media, you know, we just have access to everybody else and, you know, everybody's speaking at the same time. And so you you get information from so many different places. But I have or at least I feel like I'm seeing um, more and more interest, especially from Mexican-Americans around Mexican food culture and you know, a lot of folks don't. So I'm in Texas. I've said this before on different episodes. I grew up on the border. So I feel like I grew up with, you know, the States and Mexico, just because of where I, I lived. A lot of Americans that identify also as Mexican, they may be in Chicago or, you know, New York. And so they're not necessarily physically close to Mexico, uh, but they still have an interest in their food culture. And so I do see kind of more and more interest around, you know, learning about the food and maybe the region where their family came from. I was curious, is that happening in Mexico? And the reason I ask is I was reading an article. I'm not going to remember her name. I think it's Carla Martinez Salas. She's the editor of Vogue, Mm -hmm. Vogue Mexico. And she was talking about how in 2016, when a certain person who got elected here in the States, you know, just started speaking really poorly about Mexico. And so then um, she feels like there was a real sense of introspection, like looking, you know, of self-awareness in Mexico around the the value that, you know, Mexico as a country has and then the goods and stuff like that. And so she started to see kind of this um, emergence of fashion and food and da, 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 da. So more interest basically within what's happening in Mexico. Um, all that to say, or all that to ask you is, do you feel like that had already been happening, or is that happening more and more within like the Mexican food scene? Because I know, like the last two times I've traveled to Mexico City, I feel like every time I go, there's you know a new restaurant that's focused specifically around you know indigenous corn or you know an indigenous way of, of cooking something. And I, as someone who doesn't live there. Has that always been there or is it something new that's happening? I think this is kind of new, actually. Because, like, um, while I was growing up, I think we have a lot of um, what we call malinchismo. Uh um, It comes from malinche. Uh um, That is to think that everything that is from a different country is better than Mm. uh, what we make in Mexico. So that happens, um, like, since I can remember. You know, like everything American, everything European, um, everything is better than what is here. And I I kind of grew up with that kind of like that was around me all the time in like in the media. It was everywhere. Yeah. And then I think as I was becoming an adult, uh, like this was starting to happen all all around Mexico. And I'm very happy that um, food is playing a big part of it. You know, because that, um, like, yeah, I think we got to, you know, like turn around and then see that we have amazing food. And mm. uh, it's kind of like what happened to me, like I was, I was saying earlier, that I was just taking all this that was at the markets for granted. And as I grew up, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. It's not just <laughs> good, it's like beautiful and delicious. And you can have like an amazing meal at a market here for like, what, like $3. Oh, yeah. And, and, it's going to be like the best meal you've ever had. Yeah. And um, actually, like when my students, uh, like when I was doing my in-person classes, a lot of my students were asking like, like, what is it, the restaurant that we should attend? Like, yeah. like, like what's, and I think they were expecting you know, like Pujol or right. something like that. And I was like, go to the markets, please go to the markets. Yeah. And if it looks crowded and kind of clean, go for it like you're gonna enjoy it it's gonna be one of the best meals of your trip i i I guarantee this and yeah so i think this is something that's been happening now and we're seeing like all of these new restaurants and all these you know like all these restaurants around new like corn varieties and experimentation with moles and Mm -hmm. we didn't have that before and you're like oh now we have books we have research we can, you know, like travel to find like a specific ingredient 
And it's something that is happening now that was not happening definitely before. And I think it was a little bit also like the interest of the world in Mexican cuisine. And um, also that we just, uh, you know, like we turn our heads and realize mm. it's like, it's actually good. And I'm really happy this, this is happening now. I think, and I think proof of that is that, you know, like Mexico City is now like a travel destination, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's before it wasn't. And like, I think what uh, I've talked with all my guests from my in-person classes is like, the reason that they are coming to Mexico City is to eat. Yeah. That's it. They're coming to get the food. And that's it. And I'm and I'm I'm actually feeling really lucky to live in this city. Yeah. Because we have so much amazing food available. I agree. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm just happy that all of this is happening. And also, like as you said, like like domestically in Mexico, we are also realizing like all this amazing uh, food we have available and that we should, you know, like research and, uh, and treasure it mm-hmm. and, and just keep the tradition going. Um, I think that's also the reason there's like also like a big experimentation on pan dulce in these mm. last few years. Like um, we got the mante concha that was like between the mantecada and a concha, oh. like, a, like a mix right there. And then, like something similar happened with the um, pan de muerto and mantecada, mm-hmm. and some baker w- was already making like something between mantecada, pan de muerto, and rosca de reyes, oh, and, <laughs> and you know, like also we have like a lot of different versions of conchas because before you could only find the um, vanilla and chocolate mm. conchas, and that was it. By the way, the strawberry conchas is like an American thing, not really Mexican. I've, it's so <laughs> funny. I'm, there's certain things, and I, it, it's, I should probably, like, there's some things that I'm such a purist about, and when it comes to a concha, like, I just want vanilla or chocolate. Like, that's it. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't try the other ones, but, like, when I want a concha, I want vanilla or I want chocolate. I've never had a strawberry one. So are they, like, mixing strawberries into the topping or the actual bread? I think to the topping, ah, okay. some, uh, food coloring and strawberry ah, extract. Okay. Eh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, also we have like a lot of different bakeries that are doing, I don't know, especially like, you know, like gourmet bakeries mm-hmm. that, kind of stuff that are making, you know, like the green tea matcha conchas or, you know, like the chai tea conchas. I'm actually thinking of like a conchas class with a nation twist, something like that. Yeah. I think that would be really, really, really yeah. cool. Um, but I'm really happy that all of these things are happening now and all this, all this experimentation is happening now yeah. because it, it only makes, uh, you know, like our, our, our traditions even like bigger and, you know, like we're, we're playing with it and then this uh, is out there, you know, and the mm-hmm. world is uh, taking a look at our food, which is amazing. Yeah, I think it's great. I just read about uh, Sofia Cortina from La Vitrine. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just recently learned about her. So I think she was awarded like Latin American pastry chef of 2020 or something. And so she started, she worked with, you know, Enrique Olvera, Puyol, mm-hmm. and she went on to study like with Pierre Hermé or whatever. I don't know how you say his name <laughs> in France, but she's come back and she's opened her own or she's getting ready to open her own shop. But she is, she's doing like she did a uh, pan de muerto, but stuffed with pastry cream. And, you know, she's doing eclairs with mame and, and things like that. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait till we can travel again. So I can go and try these things that weren't there when I traveled last time. And, you know, she's using, of course, very classic French techniques, but she's infusing them with local ingredients, mm-hmm. which is really beautiful. I think that's amazing. That's, I, I think that way of thinking about food, like I'm obsessed with that. And that's, like what I was doing a, a little weeks ago, I did a peanut butter and hibiscus eclairs. Mm. Oh, I love like that. The, <laughs> that way of thinking about food is just amazing. A little similar to what um, this um, chef from the milk bar is doing in the States. Oh yeah, Christina Tosi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's something similar, like this way of like infusing, you know, like this French techniques of, you know, like let's make like infused you know, like eclair or whatever, yeah. but with cornflakes yeah. or with, you know, like, um, 
yeah, like this um, uh, different kind of cereals and comfort food and um, peanut butter. And there's kind of like food that you remember from like, you know, like as a kid yeah. or did you simply enjoy having a snack? Um, Cause I don't like the, like this approach to food. I think especially with, you know, like European food, it tends to get a little like stuffy. You know, See, like, yeah, it doesn't it evolve has, or change. Uh, it has to be like this. And if you, you are only good as your last croissant and it has, you know, like that kind of way of thinking about food, yeah. I just, it just doesn't make sense. Like have fun. Where's the fun in your right. world? You know, like have fun with it. <laughs> Yeah, I think you can have both, right? It's like, yes, learn, learn where, learn the history, learn the past, but it's okay mm -hmm. to then experiment and take it somewhere new. Exactly. It doesn't have to stay stuck in the past. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Unless yeah, you're exactly. craving a pure concha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just go for it. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really, that's something that I've found really fascinating is seeing the different varieties of just like pan dulce that's now coming out of Mexico that isn't just you know what I grew up with and you know kind of like you, you like you're doing the matcha you're doing the peanut butter hibiscus and all that and I'm like oh I never would have thought of that like I think I'll try it or I don't know I'm scared it's so funny right because our memories are are, are tied to specific foods and I think Sometimes we're afraid that if we change that food from our past, we're somehow not honoring the past. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes we're a little hesitant to try a concha of a different flavor. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. It's still, it's still a thing of beauty. And you, you can still honor your past while looking ahead. Of course, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I think, yeah, for me, I think the most important is to have fun with it, you know, and that's what I like to, to, to give to my students. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had a student struggling in, um, in a conscious class. We were making like the Frida inspired mm, yeah. conscious. And she was struggling a little bit. And, and I, and I told her like, uh, like, you know, don't worry about it. Like if it's, if you're struggling with it, you can just make a plain one. Yeah. And remember that you have, it's better if you enjoy it. Like that's the most important thing to, to enjoy it. And I think I think it is the most important. And I think that uh, it's it's good that because you hadn't baked before, I think, or something like that. She said, and I'm very happy that she took a baking class. You know, like like out of her comfort zone totally. Mm -hmm. And she already learned a lot of things. She was just struggling with it. You know, like the thing that was like towards the end of the class, but yeah, I already learned a lot of things through the process. So it's great. Like, yeah. yeah, I think that that is really, really cool. That's so cool. So aside, if somebody's coming into like wanting to learn more about, you know, Mexican pastries or, or pan dulce, of course, they can take your classes, which I think is a great way to start, especially if you're a visual person and you want somebody kind of walking with you. One of the things that I also love are cookbooks. Now, I personally have had a bit of a hard time finding pastry books specific to Mexican sweetbread. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, I have Fanny Gerson's My Sweet Mexico. Um, and I'm sure in the back in the bibliography, she has references to other books. But I was wondering, are there any cookbooks out there that you really enjoy that teach Mexican baking? Mm, I think there is one that I really, really like. It's um, called Panes Mexicanos. Uh -huh. Panes Mexicanos, the author is Irving Quiroz. Okay. It's a, a very, very popular book. And it's just like a good book of reference for like, you know, like your basic Mexican bread. Like all of the basics are there. So you can find, you know, like conchas, you know, you can find mantecadas, orejas. Mm -hmm. And um, it's usually like a really, really good book. And I think that's the one that I would recommend if you're interested in going deeper in uh, pan dulce, or just in Mexican baking in general. And then from there you can decide because the book is organized in, you know, like how um, breads are made. So you have your, you know, like your quick breads, like um, um, mantecadas and all of that that uses a baking powder. And then you have, you know, like um, the um, gisted doughs, gisted regular doughs. And there you have your conchas, chilindrinas, 
nubes and wow. all of those wonderful breads yeah and then you have the same but with laminated dough so okay. you have like tornitos um and all of those different shapes that you would make with that bigotes carteras all of that uh you would also have mexican cookies so it's a good like yeah. start point for that um i like that at that book i have i have filled with notes and post-its <laughs> and everything and i think that would be like my my favorite i'm not sure it, it's been translated to english, english okay but it's definitely in spanish it's like very easily available i'm sure you could find it even on amazon the u.s okay. or you can even order it from amazon mexico yeah Okay, I'm going to have to check that one out because that's something that I've been wanting to find more and more is just more resources. Because like we were talking about earlier, there are so many different uh, varieties or there's such a variety of, you know, pan dulce. And I feel like I haven't even really scratched the surface of what's out there. And mm -hmm. I want to keep learning. And especially right now when we can't travel, it's like, okay, you can always travel through a book. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Um, yeah. So I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but I wanted to ask you, okay, so where can people find you on social media? How can they reach you and sign up your classes and all of that? So I usually use um, Instagram. It's like my, my, um, where I post usually everything. Um, my Instagram is Eliseo Lara. Um, it's just one, just one word, no space. And Eliseo is with a C. Uh, mine, it's uh, like the right way to write it would be with an S, but oh. mine is like that in my birth certificate. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> yeah, it's funny that I went to, you know, like literature school and my name is misspelled. <laughs> but yeah, so mine is with a C okay. and I usually, I usually have a link in my um, bio with the, um, you know, like the new classes. Mm -hmm. And there you can also subscribe to my newsletter. Um, so like if you want to get a notification whenever I get a new class, then you can go for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Yeah, your classes are fantastic. If nobody, if you haven't tried them, please definitely check them out. And you're, you're actually teaching classes pretty frequently now, it seems like. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing group classes every weekend, usually oh, wow. two, two classes every weekend. And um, I'm usually, you know, like uh, creating new classes. I have um, classes for like a very uh, basic level, also like advanced stuff. Like last weekend, I just did a bread baking one 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 class to, you know, like go through the basics and the theory and what's, what's happening when you need all that kind of thing. I also have like more advanced stuff if you feel more comfortable in the kitchen. So yeah, I tend to have a good variety of classes for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, they're so fun. Well, I will put all of this information in the show notes and I'll add it to my Instagram too so people can find you. Um, but thank you so much for talking to me. I'm so glad I actually got to talk to you because I take your classes, but I never get to <laughs> converse with you because it's full and we're doing other things. <laughs> so this has been really fun, especially since I haven't had the chance to meet you in person. So I feel like this was really good for me and I hope, you know, you enjoyed the conversation too. So thank, thank you. you. Okay. Who wants to learn to make conchas now? I am so looking forward to the time when I can travel again to Mexico City and learn from him in person in his really cool looking kitchen. Uh, so make room, Eliseo, because I'm headed your way at some point. And one thing that I'm noticing is every time I listen back to an interview, I catch things that I want to know more about. Like, you know, what does Eliseo enjoy eating at the mercados? And I have to second his advice that eating at the markets, you're going to find some of the best food within the stalls that are found within the countless mercados. So there's your checklist for Mexico City. Take a class with Eliseo and definitely check out the food stalls at the mercados. And now... I want to remind you, follow Eliseo's Instagram account for info on upcoming classes. His account is at Eliseo Lara. That's E-L-I-C-E-O-L-A-R-A. -E I'll be back with a new episode soon, barring any outrageous weather. Just please no more of that. Um, until then, 
be safe, be kind, and hasta pronto.